0: Thank you. John chapter 20, as you can see, John 20, he gave his all. John 20, chapter 19 begins, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood. He stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. That's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, we believe. We have not seen, but we do believe. The reason we are here is because we have heard the story and have placed our faith in you. I pray that as we study your word tonight, we would see that you indeed did give it all. We pray in your holy name amen Jesus demonstrates I think in these texts how we can receive inner peace in our hearts it's not the only one that talks about Jesus giving peace in John chapter 14 in verse 27 peace I leave you my peace I give you not as the world gives you do I give you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid So you look at those passages in John 20 and then there in John 14 and you see that Jesus wants to give us peace. He wants us to be peaceful, to have that in our our life. Jesus came into this world, as you remember, as a peaceful baby. He came not as a, a conquering hero but as a lowly child. He probably looked like any other baby. I doubt that he was any different looking. The scripture doesn't indicate that he was. I I think as he grew, he was uh, in his father's workshop as he worked. He played with other kids just like your kids played with their friends. And young people play with kids today. I I don't see anything in the scripture, do I recall anything, about Jesus getting into any trouble. I mean, it wasn't as if he was a troubled child and we have records and books and things. There are some uh, spurious accounts of of Jesus supposedly as a child in some uh, books that did not get into the gospel. And the reason they didn't get into the gospel is that it doesn't match up with what we know and the testimony that we see in the other books about Jesus. He didn't really create any trouble for anyone, but but you do remember that one time he did stay back at the temple, Uh, and that may have upset his parents. But you know, it's it's a different day. I mean, I you and I both remember the kind of day that we grew up in. Our parents would go go outside and play, and I'll see you at eight or nine o'clock. You know, (laughs) we would be gone for hours. Can you imagine doing that today? I mean, you know, police would show up and go. (laughs) <laughs> we're hauling you away for child abuse. But for us, it was go out and play, you know. And you were gone for hours playing, and then you'd finally come home at dark, and that was that. If you didn't come out at dark, your mom would stand on the porch and holler your name, all three of them, and then <laughs> then you knew it was time to come home. So, I, you know, we, we don't have the same thoughts. They traveled in a group, usually, when they went to some place like Jerusalem. Well, there was Numbers, safety in numbers, and so they went as a group. So I'm sure they're going, he's back there somewhere. You know, he's back with somebody, you know, playing with the kids and whatever it was, but he wasn't. He was in the temple. Nevertheless, Jesus did obey his heavenly father. He wasn't disobeying, he was doing what he was supposed to do. Jesus was on a mission, and the mission was to bring peace to this world and its people to change our individual hearts from those that are troubled to those that have peace. The Jewish people, as you know, were looking for a Messiah, waiting for a Messiah, longing for a Messiah to come. But they thought he would be a rough, tough ruler who would put the Romans in their place. That's what they were looking for. I give you evidence of that with some of his own disciples who carried the small, they called Sakari, small swords that they would use, you know, to stab people with, that was the whole point. You remember Malchus and his, his servant and how uh, Peter whacked off his ear. Uh, I would remind you, he wasn't trying to cut off his ear. He was probably trying to split his skull, but the guy moved and that's what happened. So they were a different mindset of the Messiah that was coming But God's plan was to change people from the inside out, not the outside in. So as we look at Jesus giving his all, I want to think of first of all, that Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a teacher. During his three years of public ministry, he brought to light the way to have inner peace. Nobody spoke like him, it was said. The large crowds followed him because they were eager to hear what he had to say. It was different, From what everybody else was preaching and the way he preached and what they heard changed them it did something that the words from the priests in the temple did not do people never heard such great preaching nor had they witnessed the miracles that he was performing so his his fame as you remember went wide scripture says news about him spread all over syria and people brought to him all who were ill, various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them, the scripture says in Matthew 4.24. And amidst all that, Jesus was preaching the good news. He was preaching the good news to the people who wanted to hear it. Now, don't confuse. He wasn't preaching what they wanted to hear Uh, you know, make them the the tickling ear idea in the Bible where I just preach what you want to hear, but they needed to hear it. They wanted to hear how to connect with God. There is some difference in that. Although large crowds gathered around and followed wherever he went, there were some who did not believe, you know that. They were in the middle of the crowd and they were trying to trick Jesus and they would ask those questions uh, that would get a response to try to trip or trap or, or get him into trouble some of the people were looking for that military leader and maybe they're trying to force his hand. Some people suggest that that's maybe what um, Judas was trying to do. I don't know, it doesn't really come up in the scripture, I don't see that. Uh, But some people believe that's what was trying to be forced upon Jesus to become a military type leader instead of a servant type leader. Uh, So many of the Jewish leaders didn't understand the message that Jesus expressed when he was preaching in Sermon on the Mount. It didn't ring natural for them because they were looking for something else. It was natural for people to think about feeling pride in themselves and a national pride. I think I want you to think, instead of feeling poor in spirit, that, that just didn't make sense. Those who are poor in spirit shall, what, I don't want to eat poor in spirit, I want to be proud, I want to feel good. So it didn't ring true for some people. They didn't understand the dependency upon God because of their spiritual poverty. We've never been a slave to any man, remember that? You know, they're they're claiming they've never been a slave and here's Rome, you know, pressing down upon them. They were a tribute nation and yet they're trying to claim that they wouldn't, had never been in any kind of slavery as a nation. God created each one of us and wants us to depend on Him and receive the grace He has for us. He wants us to recognize our spiritual poverty that we might become rich in Him. So Jesus taught that. The world wasn't concerned about the mourning that Jesus talked about. That didn't make any sense. Spiritual poverty and mourning. Uh, you know, why am I? Why am I mourning? People thought a mourning happened when someone dies. It was uh, a misfortune occurred. It never occurred to them that mourning for forgiveness of their sins was what Jesus was referring to, to feel sad about how they had sinned. They were more concerned about attaining happiness whatever way they could. It didn't matter who they hurt, who they stepped on, took advantage of, as long as those responsible brought them happiness. You see that, I think, in the scribes and the Pharisees. It's better for one man to die than the whole nation to die be destroyed and so they were willing to get rid of jesus for their own happiness i think much of what went on jesus's day goes on today many people are more concerned about power the thought of power seems to be something that builds people's egos it inflates their self-worth and it makes them feel more important than anybody else jesus talked about meekness and humbleness and gentleness and kindness and he talked about these things not only but he practiced them He practiced them. He was gentle, he was meek, the Bible says. Now remember meekness is power under control like a a horse with a bit in its mouth. Horse has great power but it's under control. And that's what meekness is. Jesus was trying to teach people then and I think he's trying to teach us today how to have peace in our lives and it's through that gentleness and kindness rather than a higher position that gives power. People in the entertainment industry I think believe That the more popular they are, the more movies they make, the more CDs they sell, the more power they have. Some might believe that and some actually seem to have some sort of influence. That all sounds great, but how many times have we seen those people achieve everything that a star wants and have no peace? A number of weeks ago, I shared with you a number of people who have committed suicide over the years once they had attained the top of their industry it didn't bring them peace and joy and happiness so we know that that can't happen well-known or popular people can't walk down the street like you and me i mean you see that sometimes you know how they're inundated how paparazzi are around them and and you just can't you know they sell pictures for thousands of dollars and they fly helicopters over their place to try to catch a picture of a wedding or a baby or you know somebody in a swimsuit or something you know aren't you glad that that doesn't happen to you i mean i can't imagine that kind of life where i have no peace i couldn't go to a restaurant i couldn't come to church like i come to church i'd have to hire bodyguards to protect me now or my family because people would want to harm me what what kind of life is that to want Certainly it's not a life of peace. I'm not saying it's not good to be popular or or widely known, that's not what I'm saying, Uh, but it doesn't bring inner peace. And Jesus understood that, but his followers did not, and those people that didn't follow him wanted to destroy them because they wanted power and not peace. Jesus taught that murder and adultery began in the heart. A heart that is angry does not have peace and it will lead to destruction of your life. Peace that has been replaced by greed or envy can lead someone to destroy another person's life. I want what you have, and I'll do whatever I can to you to get what you have. A self-centered heart, a jealous heart, a heart full of self-pity could lead someone to act in adultery. You're not giving me what I want. I'll find it somewhere else. We read about that in the newspaper. Murders, broken relationships are there daily What caused them to do what they did? Well, it was their heart. Jesus said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whosoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also to him, Matthew 5, 38 through 39. Jesus was not saying you couldn't protect yourself, but I believe he was saying that you do not have to do the same thing that that person did to you. You don't have to respond in kind. He's telling us to go the second mile. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles, the Bible says. When someone hurts you, it's natural to not want to forgive them or show love to that person, but Jesus is saying that's the very thing that we should do. And he demonstrates that by dying on the cross, that even though they did that, he did it so we could have peace in our hearts. We're not living the way the world lives. I think we are living the way Jesus would want us to live. When we do those kinds of things, I think he also taught us that we should love our enemies. It's easy to say, but Jesus told us to do. You've heard it said, he says in Matthew 5, love your enemies and hate, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If we bring ourselves down to the same level as those who mistreat us, we are nothing better than they are. We're showing the same hatred. But if we do what he says, we're showing love in our hearts. However, if we pray for those people who, who hate us, mistreat us, that peace reigns in our heart because we know we are free from hatred, from that which would destroy us from within. Jesus also taught that we can only be at peace if we do not worry. Therefore, I tell you not to worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or what your body will wear. Worry affects faith, doesn't it? If I worry, I can't believe. When I worry, I lose trust in God. When I worry, I'm I'm saying to God, God, I want to believe that you'll take care of me, but things don't look so good right now, so I'm not sure whether you can. That's what worry is. That's what worry says to God. But full faith and full trust in God that he will do what he says brings peace in our hearts. When I know he will take care of me, I have peace. I have faith. Statistics show that people at peace with themselves, their family, and their friends, and with God live many, many more productive years. I don't worry. I'm at peace. A lot of people will remind me over the years, so don't you remember when, and then they'll go through a list of things that bad that happened or, you know, my family asks all the time, well, don't you, you know, they were sick and you were sick and and it was two weeks. I don't remember that stuff. It's gone from my mind. I don't dwell on it. I let it go. Now, some people can remember all those things and I'm glad you have a great memory, but I choose not to remember that bad stuff because it gives me peace. I'm free. A peaceful heart will not damage your health. A peaceful heart will concentrate on positive thoughts. A peaceful heart will allow you to go through each day to live to its fullest. A peaceful heart enables us to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. When we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, we're aligning our thoughts with what God says. We're following the footsteps of Jesus, and our lifestyle follows him. We're consulting the Father, and he's telling us what to do. The the Bible says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus started his day with prayer. Before he ever got to the bustling crowds, before he ever dealt with the people that pulled on him and tugged at him, the people who were accusing him, all the people who were lying about him. He had that relationship, that crucial time with his father. Jesus knew the resource and how to tap into it for strength, for wisdom, I think for peace. And so he was able to preach the good news and put it into practice because he had spent time with the father And he showed us what to do. He was a teacher. Second, he was a servant. Uh, Jesus had time to reach out to anyone who was in need. He stopped along the way. He's going on to help somebody else and they'll stop. You know, Jairus, he was going to go deal with the daughter and he stopped because the woman with the issue of blood and he stopped and they listened to her whole story. Have you ever talked to anybody that was sick and wants to tell you their whole story how they've been sick? (laughs) It's usually not a short story. I've been sick a long time. No, they want to tell you how sick they were, how all the doctors they said, and what the doctors said, and how they felt, and they'll just go through the whole thing. I have sat through those speeches. But Jesus, even the small things, you remember the wedding at Cana? His mom comes up to him and says, They have no wine. And he turned water into wine. He, did, he served even in what would be construed a small thing, but it was important for that wedding. He didn't want them to be embarrassed. One day he met a Samaritan woman. He came to the well and he drew water. I believe Jesus could see that this woman was not at peace with herself. Obviously, she wasn't at peace with everybody else. She came at a time of day when you didn't go get water because she had such a bad reputation. She couldn't be there with everybody else. They would probably harass her. And he and he says to her, "I can give you water, springing up into everlasting life." Jesus knew what the woman needed what she had to have and he provided it for her and it became peace. Come and hear from a man that told me everything that I ever did, I'm free. Jesus had so many followers who who had peace in their hearts but he had a lot that didn't, they had issues. Jesus reinforced peace in Peter's heart when he healed Peter's mother-in-law. That fever vanished and the worry vanished from Peter and his family, and so he had peace. Or the man who had leprosy and had no faith was lacking peace in his heart. If you are willing, then you can make me clean. I, I, I don't know. You know, that's, you see that. And so he brought him peace and healed him. Or the paralyzed man that wanted so bad to get to Jesus because he knew he could heal him, but he couldn't make it happen on his own and so four of his friends tore up the roof and let him through so he could get to Jesus and find peace in his life. Can you imagine that? Jesus the servant was able to feed 5,000, we read recently, using barley loaves, five and two small fishes. He provided and the disciples actually did the serving. I remember he wanted them to be a part of that. So they could see provision and have peace in their hearts. The appetites of all those people had been curbed because Jesus served. It was this act that instilled within the heart hope in the Messiah. Peace rested within the hearts of these people who said this truly is the prophet who has come into our world. That act brought them peace. When we read the actions of Jesus, when we look at who he is and how he is a servant leader, we get peace because we know he's on our side. He's not manipulating us to do the things that that we don't want to do. You see that in the religions of the world, how they have to work for their salvation. But Jesus comes and gives us what we need. He gives to us. We don't give to him we don't have to sell our children we don't have to give gold and and flake it on some idol and go every so often and redo that because that's what you're supposed to give so much no no god gives to us he's a servant third jesus is our savior jesus last week started out on earth with a lot of excitement and festivities remember you know Here's the Messiah and Palm Sunday and everybody was just saying he was the greatest thing in the world. Rode the donkey into Jerusalem, palm branches, crowds, loud noises, praise for who Jesus was. The following day, he cleaned out the temple. I'll remind you that it said that he plaited cord when he did that. It wasn't like an explosion of anger. Jesus had time to make a whip and think about what he was doing. And then did it because his house, his father's house was supposed to be a house of prayer. Time for Passover celebration came and Jesus predicted to the disciples his death on the cross. Now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour, John 12, 27. Can you blame Jesus for dreading the cross? I can't. And it wasn't like he was dying for his own sin. It was all of our sin. All of all people's sin compacted on him in that moment. I cannot even begin to imagine what that would be like. No wonder he would dread that moment. Because he was in human form, he would have felt like we would have felt. He would have known he had to take the sins of the world on him. He would have known he would be separated from the Father because the Father can't look at sin. But yet Jesus was obedient to the will of the Father. He did this for each one of us so that we would never have to do it. What a great Savior. He is our Savior. And that is why we need to be obedient, I think, to the Father. You know, quickly, I think we are obedient to the will of the Father. It brings peace into our heart. When we do what we're supposed to do, it feels right. He put that conscience within us. Being obedient to the Father lets Him know how much we appreciate what the Son did for us. I show my thankfulness to God by listening to His Son. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. What? Hear Him. Listen to Him. We are obedient to the Father by repenting of our sins every day, accepting the Son as our personal Lord and Savior, and it assures us a place in His kingdom. And that brings peace in my heart. When I know that I have a home, I go prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come again. See, I, I don't let your hearts be troubled, John chapter 14, right? So being obedient and following him and accepting as my Savior does that. On Thursday of that week, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples in the upper room, and Jesus revealed that one of the disciples would betray him. I tell you a truth, that one of you will betray me. That must have been an exciting moment at dinner. Wow. Judas said, surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus said, yes, it is you. Uh, you know, it doesn't, you don't get the picture that everybody else figured out what was going on. Maybe it was whispered. You know, you see people leaning in at that imagined picture of the Lord's Supper. I, I don't know, it just doesn't say. But at that point, Jesus recognizes Judas As the one who would betray him, Judas did not have peace in his heart. After the Passover meal, the foot washing, and the Lord's Supper, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. Of course, Peter vehemently said, no, that wasn't going to happen. So Jesus goes and gets ready. His heart is heavy. He's instituted the Lord's Supper. And so he says to them, sit over here while I go and pray. Just wait. Matthew 26 Jesus, it says, heart was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death in that same verse. But he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me yet not as I will, but as you will. This was a prayer of suffering. This was a prayer of agony. This was a struggle. I, I, it, it, it was real. It, 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 it had to be real or it meant nothing but it was real and he really sweat as it were drops of blood it was so much agony but he trusted the father and he was obedient to the will of the father roman soldiers as we talked about one easter did not take jesus he gave his life for each one of us and here's what he said as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For the, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John three, fourteen through 17. So, Jesus was a teacher. He showed us, not only told us, he showed us how to have peace, inner peace. Jesus was a servant, he set an example for inner peace. He showed us how we could have it as well by serving others. Jesus is our savior who has prepared a peaceful place for us in his kingdom and Jesus gave his all for each one of us. That's why we say he gave it all and who he was I think it's good to come back and to remind ourselves of what we have in the Lord because there will be the days that come every in everyone's life where we are not at peace and we need to remind ourselves how we obtained the peace to begin with and if we go back and read these verses and scriptures and think about them it will change who we are and we will revert to the peace like state. I have come that you might have life abundant. Don't be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Be at peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we come to you and ask you to give us peace. Some of us are like Thomas and and we're not quite sure we we doubt and we need help in that doubt. Some of us are like Peter and we deny that that we'll ever do anything wrong and we you know scripture says that we make ourselves a liar if that's the way we think. But yet you offer both of those disciples peace. You forgave Peter when he denied you and you gave Thomas an opportunity to get what he asked for, but I find it interesting that he did not stick his hand, but once you were in his presence, he recognized you, my Lord and my God. And so we, along with Peter and along with Thomas and the rest of the disciples, fall at your feet and say thank you for the peace that you give us. Help us in this week maybe hurried and may be harried we may be beset on each side with worries but yet we want to have peace because you tell us we can't have it help us to have trust in you belief in you so that that can happen that we might have peace we pray in jesus holy name amen may god bless you and you have peace this week